right into the Word of God, and uh, we are in a series right now, and I want to bring a conclusion because next Sunday, I hope that you can make it out here. Bob Sorge is going to be with us, and he's a great speaker, and you will love his ministry, and we want to encourage you to come out. In fact, we, uh, we have been promoting a book that he wrote uh, that is entitled Reset. And it's, a, it's all about resetting your prayer life, getting your prayer life back in order. And uh, we have those books for sale. If you would still want to grab one of those, they're out in the foyer. As, as we end today, you can go right out there. And they're $7 a piece. We're just pay, it's your, basically, you're just paying for cost. But uh, anyway, we, we're in this series entitled uh, Prayer Reset. And in this series, we've been talking about basically resetting our heart to seek the face of God in prayer. Now, I don't know if you know this, but as Christians, prayer is not optional. Jesus didn't say, if you pray, like if you get around to it, here's how you pray. He said, when you pray. So Jesus uh, is implying that I'm really looking for you to be people of prayer and I still love that quote by Corey Ten Boom that says that prayer needs to be our steering wheel, not our spare tire. And we don't just need to go to prayer when we're flat, busted, and disgusted. We need to go to we need to we need to pray every day to get where God wants us to go in our lives. And so we've been talking about this and we've been looking at the fact that it is time to pray. Last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about the Lord's Prayer, which really wasn't the Lord's Prayer, it was the disciples' prayer. It was what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Today, I want to talk about this idea of praying with power. We need to get the power back in our prayer life. <clears throat> we need to get some power back in our prayer Life And I want to come from the book of James. And uh, James had a lot to say about prayer, as a matter of fact. And uh, we're in the fifth chapter of the book of James. And I want to pick up at verse 13. I want to read verses 13 through 18. So you can follow along in your Bibles, or the words will come up on the screen. And uh, this is what James writes. He says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him or her, anointing them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And by the way, that word for sick here, when he says pray for the sick, if you're sick, it literally is talking about a grave physical illness and condition. It's not talking about spiritual sickness. He's talking about if you're physically afflicted with bodily pain or some disease in your body, let call together the elders and let them pray. And he says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly <clears throat> that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. What I want you to notice, <clears throat> excuse me, in this passage, I want you to notice that what prayer can do. Prayer can comfort those who are suffering. That's a big amen, right? Prayer can heal those who are sick in their body. And through prayer, a sinner can be restored. The suffering are comforted the sick are healed, and those who are struggling with sin in their life can be restored all through the power of prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. So Lord, we invite you to have your way <clears throat> over these next few moments. Holy Spirit, give me grace to share your word. 
in Jesus' name, and for every one of us to receive it, I pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to need some water. Jim Cimbala is uh, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, or <laughs> he's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, the famous Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir is from there. And Jim Cimbala wrote a book <clears throat> back in 1997, and I read it back in the late 90s, and he said this in his book, pastors and churches have to get uncomfortable enough to say, we are not New Testament Christians if we don't have a prayer life. This conviction makes us squirm a little, but how else will there ever be breakthrough with God? Amen. That's good stuff. The reason the Lord calls us to pray is that our praying really does matter. Here's the truth. Where there's an absence of prayer, there is an absence of power. But when God's people pray, God things happen. God, in, God has sovereignly chosen that if we call out to him, that if we invite his rule, that if we intercede, that if we supplicate, that if we petition on his name in prayer, he will move with great power in our lives, in our churches, and around us. That's God's promise to us. If we pray, he will move according to our prayers. Our prayers, therefore, both individually and corporately as a church, do impact lives, and they can even change the course of history. And this brings us back to where James talked about Elijah. Elijah, James said, was a man of like passions or a man that was like you and I. In other words, he was human, just like you and I. He wasn't somewhere between humanity and divinity, and that's why he had such a powerful prayer life. James makes it very clear. I want you to understand. He is just like you, and he's just like me. He's like all of us. Elijah had good days, and he had bad days. Come on, can I go to get any man out there? Elijah had days when he was riding high and days when he got very low. There were days when he saw victory, and then there were days he found himself deep in the pit of depression. He's just like you and me. And yet James said when this guy prayed, he reminds us that in his prayer life, fire would fall from heaven. And the weather patterns would suddenly change because he was a man of prayer, because he prayed. He wasn't, he wasn't extraordinary in and of himself, but he had power with God because he believed God and he prayed and he called upon the name of God. And the Lord is showing us through the life of Elijah, this simple man, this man that lived most of his life in obscurity. We don't know much about him. He just comes on the scene in 1 Kings chapter 17 and exits in 1 Kings chapter 19. He's not there very long. He just shows up. He lives in obscurity. He doesn't have a lot of means of himself. He depends on ravens to feed him and a poor widow woman to take care of him. He didn't have a lot going for him, but one thing he did have, he had a prayer life, and that prayer life was a powerful thing. And God is saying, this can happen for you. Amen. And so today I want to talk about this because I, I believe, I don't know about you, but I want my prayer life to be elevated to an Elijah kind of level of prayer. That's what I want in my life. I, if I'm going to pray, if I'm going to take the time to pray, I want it to matter. Come on now, can I get a good amen out there? I mean, if we're going to do this thing, let's do it. Let's not mess around. Let's not play the game. Let's not go through the motions. There's a world that's hurting. There's families that are falling apart. There's struggles that we have that we can't afford to allow ourselves to be prayerless Christians. And there's an awful lot of us around. Amen. I know not you. They're all in the second service. But they're out there. Amen. Don't tell them I said that. I want you to look with me at 
uh, James 5.16 again. Let's look at this. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails. Those four words really paint the picture of powerful prayer. And I want to focus in on that. To pray with power, first of all, number one, needs to be effective prayer, which is basically we need to learn how to pray God's promises. When we pray, what are we doing in prayer? But that we are praying the promises of God. That's how prayer is effective. The word effective or effectual means to work, to operate, or to be active. To be effectual is to produce desired results or effect. The best way to get desired results, to have effective prayer life, is to pray the will of God, the word of God, and the promises of God. I'm telling you, when you and I pray God's word, God's promises, you can't miss. It's bullseye every time. John said in John 1, 5, 14, and 15, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Why? Because we're asking what he's already told us to ask. We're praying what he wants us to pray. We're praying his word, his will, his promises, and you can't miss. Amen. Come on, that's good news. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And, and where we see this in Elijah was, in, Elijah showed up on the scene, and Israel had been rebellious toward God. And uh, so the prophet of God had been sent of the Lord to go speak to Ahab, and he says, he says these words, uh, well, actually, I, I'm not going to show you the words right now, but he says the words. He basically said, there is going to come a famine upon the land, and there is not going to be any rain for the next three and a half years, according to my word, right? And so then three and a half years go by. There was no rain. There was a great drought in the land. And then after three and a half years, God told Elijah, he said, I, I'm going to send rain now. It's time for me to send the rain now. This is, so Elijah prayed that there would be no rain for three and a half years, and there was none. After three and a half years, God showed up, and he said to Elijah, listen to this. He said, Elijah, I'm going to send rain now, and I want you to go tell Ahab what I'm going to do. And so he goes to Mount Carmel. He sees this great victory, and after the great victory, he goes and tells Ahab, you need to get ready because it's going to rain. And so what we see here is that God had promised, or God had said, I'm going to send rain. And the Bible says Elijah, after God had told him that, went on top of the mountain where he began to pray for rain. Now why pray for rain if God already said, I'm going to send rain? Come on, think it through, church. God said, this is what I'm going to do. And this man of God went on top of the mountain where he began to travail in prayer. But God had already said, this is what I'm going to do. It's a done deal. And yet he went on top of the mountain where he prayed. And the, the inference in the scripture and what God is showing us is that even though I have made a promise from my throne room of grace, it isn't activated in earth until you call it forth. When you begin to call forth my will, my word, my promises, what I want to do in the earth, that's when my promises are activated in the earth. Woo, come on out there, church. <clears throat> let, me, let me show you this a little bit more. I want to show you something. What I'm, what I'm about to tell you, I think this is really important. Look at Psalms 119, verse 89. This is a scripture. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in where? Heaven. Can you read that out loud with me? Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I mean, you love that, 
right? When God says something, he means it, right? But notice where it's settled. In heaven. Just because it's settled in heaven doesn't mean it's established in the earth. And you got to read the whole Bible. You got to read the whole scriptures to understand this principle. Because God says, I've said my word. I want this to be done. Like, I don't, I am, I'm unwilling. I am not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But all are not coming to repentance, and all are not being saved, not because God is unwilling. He wants it, but because we are not activated in bringing the gospel to broken and hurting lives. Amen. Forever my word is settled in heaven. What's settled in heaven has to be established in the earth. We do business in heavenly places to bring heaven's realities to earth. And we do that partly through praying the promises of God. Remember Abraham? God said, Abraham, through you I'm going to raise up a great nation. Abraham went 25 years waiting on the promise of God. Finally, Isaac was born, and God said, it's through this child, Isaac, that I'm going to bring the multiplication of your seed in the earth. Isaac was without a wife at that time, and so Abraham said, you gotta, said to his servant, I want you to go find a wife for my son, and he went to his, back to his old homeland, and when he got there, the servant lifted up his voice, looked up to heaven, and said, God... And he gave all these stipulations about the next woman who's going to come out here, let her do this, this, and this, and that's how I will know that the one you have chosen. And Rebecca came out, and she fulfilled all of the prayer. God, he prayed to God. Remember, he prayed to God, and God answered his prayer, and Rebecca came out and fulfilled all those kind of requirements of the prayer. But the only problem was, and he took Rebecca back, and she became Isaac's wife. And God said, I'm going to multiply the nations through this one son of yours. His name is Isaac. But Rebekah was barren. She couldn't have babies. And yet God answered the prayer with Rebekah. But she couldn't have babies. So later Isaac said, Lord... My wife can't have children. You got to heal her of her barrenness. And you know what God did? He did. Do you see what happens? God's will has to be called forth in the earth. God's promises, God's word. That's the effectual prayer. That's the prayer that says, I'm praying what God has already established. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's settled in heaven. It's established there, but I'm going to pray it to be settled and established in the earth. Amen. Amen, church. We're talking about praying with power. Number two, to pray with power, we need to pray fervently. That is, pray with passion. Everybody say passion. The word fervent or sometimes translated zeal, means to be fiery hot, full of burning zeal. It is the opposite of a dignified, cold, and unemotional kind of prayer life. When Elijah went on top of the mountain and began to pray for the rains to come again, the Bible said he bent over, put his head between his knees. He was literally in ancient times, that's how women would be a part of the birthing process. They would hunch over and they would fully just kind of get into that fetal position during the travailing time. And that's what he did. He bent himself over and he began to tra travail on his knees and he began to pray for the clouds, for the rains to come. It was an intense, heartfelt, passionate prayer for the promises of God to be fulfilled. I want you to look at James chapter 5, verse 17. It says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. Can you read that last, those last few words? And he prayed earnestly. In the Greek language, it doesn't say prayed earnestly. That's how we translate it. 
But literally, the word for prayed is put in there twice. He pray prayed. He pray prayed. In other words, he, when he was praying, he prayed. If I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. I'm not going to yawn my way through this. I'm not going to be indifferent about what's going on. Where's the zeal in our heart? Where's the passion in our soul for the things that matter to God? Sometimes God cares more about the things that we're struggling with than we do. It's almost like, well, God's going to do what God's going to do when God's going to do it. And it's almost like the Lord is saying, where's your travail? James is the one that put it in here. I didn't put it in here. He said the man went there with fervent prayer. And he got into it. And there was some feeling with it. Now, I'm not talking about you have to yell like I'm doing right now. But we're talking about having a little something on the inside of you that you really want what God wants. You're not just going through the motions, but there's a deep desire, there's a fervency, there's a passion for the things of God. And that's what, that's the only way we can do that is we have to approach the throne room of God humbly, knowing that we can't do this in and of ourselves. We know that it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. And we go there like that, and we pray with that kind of zeal. Paul talked about a man, his name was Epiphany. Epaphras, say that three times fast. Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, uh, we'll call him Eddie. Eddie, <laughs> that okay? Don't, no lightning bolts. Epaphras, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you. Watch. Always laboring fervently his labor is red hot but notice the word labor the word for labor you ready for this means to toil can i tell you that prayer life and prayer isn't always going to be fun it isn't always going to come easy I know we like our latte and our Bible and our prayer time. But it isn't always a feel-good situation. Sometimes there's an intensity about it. There's a struggle in it. There's a travailing in it. Because some things are not moving right now. They're not moving that quickly. But God is still on the throne. We need to get our heart into it. We need to get our mind into it. We need to get our spirit into it. And I love what he said. He said he's always laboring fervent for, fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Why is he doing that? If God's going to do what God's going to do. No, God's not going to. God wants to do things. But we need to pray the will of God and the promise of God. And sometimes it takes longevity and just keep going after it. Just staying with it. Getting fervent. And laboring in prayer. It's not fun to always call church prayer meetings. Because we know 90% of the people are not going to show. We know. We know. It's just a prayer meeting. We know. Where's the fervency? Where's the passion? Where's the zeal? Everybody okay? Paul went on to say, for I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you. He has great fire in his soul. His passion, there's a burning passion in his heart. I want to ask you, you don't have to answer me out loud. What do you have a great zeal about? Like, what are you really fighting for? What are you working toward? Sometimes God wants it more than we do. And you know, it's no fun 
when someone asks you or when someone shows that they have need in their life, but you're, trying, you're working harder than they are for it. You're like, why am I here if you're not going to show any interest at all? Right? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you're trying to help somebody and it's like you want it more than they want it. Imagine God having to deal with our prayer life like that. Amen. <laughs> Are we good out there? So we need to pray with passion. We also need to pray the promises. Number three, when he came to the righteous man, he said, this, I believe this teaches us that we need to pray with authority. The word righteous, this is someone who understands, they recognize that their righteousness, their righteousness resides in their relationship with the living Jesus Christ. And that their walk with him is consistent with that righteousness that they have in Christ. How many of you know that because of Jesus, you are now the righteousness of God? Come on. How many of you know that you are in right standing with God? Do you believe that? Come on. Do you really believe that you're in right standing with God? And how is that possible? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because of any good thing that you have ever done, but because of what Jesus did for you, you stepped into his righteousness. His righteousness, like a robe, was wrapped around you. So listen to it. The, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails to understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means you have right standing with God. Right? And here's the promise. Psalms 34, uh, 34 verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the who? He's, he's watching you. Not to trip you up or to... Strike you down when you mess up. That's not the point. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he hears their cry. Man, that is good news, isn't it? God is paying attention to your prayers. He's paying attention to your fervent cries. He's paying attention to you praying his promises back to him and his word back to him. And he's paying attention Man, that's good. Elijah was God's man. He was built for God's purpose. Here's where I want to take you back to where it all began. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And it says, as the Lord God, this is, this is Elijah talking to Ahab. He said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, or before whom, or whom I serve, if you will, there shall not be dew nor rain these years Read this last part. Except at my word. Well, the audacity. Come on. Watch. Elijah steps onto the scene. We know nothing about this guy before this. He's lived his life in relative obscurity. No one knew he was. But he was God's man. He steps onto the scene of human history and says, I'm here to tell you that there's going to be no rain because of the rebellion of Israel on this land for the next three years, three and a half years, and there's not going to come a rain except when I pray a rain. Amen. Now that's authority. God wants us to get some authority in our prayer life. Not indifference, not hesitation, not bewilderment, not just kind of, oh, I hope God you... No, no, authority. Things need to happen, and God is saying, I want you to take the authority. I want you to pray my promises, get a little life in you while you do it, and take the authority, tell God, Tell the enemy there's a new sheriff in town, and I'm it. Amen. Many are held captive today. Listen to me. 
Many people or many of us struggle with addictions and strongholds in our life. Not because the devil is so powerful. But because we don't know our authority. <clears throat> and we have to open up our heart and our mind and our eyes to see. Greater is he that is in me. And that gives me my, that's my badge. My badge isn't some outward sign. It's an inward reality. Greater is he that is in me. And he that's in the world. In, my, in the world of my home, in the world of my marriage, in the world of my own private life, and things that I'm struggling with, with the, in the world of my physical afflictions, whatever, whatever you're in right now, God says, I need you to know that you have the authority. My eyes are roaming to and fro, looking for those who I can just bless, who are doing my will. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, and 19, he said, I'm going to build my church. Can I just pause right now? How many of you thank God? Not be... You know, I know that we're not perfect. I know that. Uh, repeat these words after me. Abundant Life Fellowship is not perfect. But aren't you glad you have a decent church to come to? Isn't it fun to come into this place and you actually like one another? I may not always preach the greatest messages, but isn't it great to just have a great place to come to? Amen. I just thought I would just say that. And thank you for being a part of it. And thank you for making this what it is. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think I can deal with you. Go ahead and tell them that. <clears throat> I don't know why I took that turn. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus, I believe, has put you into this building. He's building his church here at Abundant Life. And he says, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail, which means the gates of Hades shall not be able to stop what I'm doing in and through my church. Right? Because my church is alive and active and moving and growing. And hell can't stop it. These are the words of Jesus. I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not be able to stop it. Watch, this is so key. Speaking of keys, no pun intended. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now we know keys represent authority. We just recently changed all of our locks around here because way too many people had keys. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus wants everybody to have keys. No, <clears throat> that wasn't the reason, the reason why. But when we got the new keys, a bunch of new keys went out. And those of you who have keys, watch yourself. Because... You got authority. Don't, don't misrepresent that authority. Don't abuse that authority. Amen. Come on. Can I get a good amen? So the Lord is saying, I'm giving you the keys. Who's got the keys? Not Jesus. He gave us the keys to the kingdom. And he said, here it is again. Whatever you bind on the earth, that's going to be bound. Whatever you loose, that's going to be loose. In other words, he's already said, and the Greek construction is so crazy here but he's like basically saying whatever you bind essentially has already been activated it's just waiting on you to do it whatever you loose has already been activated yet it's not happening until you do it amen and so he just wants you to know you have the authority you have the authority now there are there are all kinds, there's a multiplicity of ways to bind and loose. We bind and loose when we preach God's word. People who are bound in their sin and their brokenness, 
when the word of God goes out, the Lord said, I, my word going out will not return to me void again. And as we preach the gospel message, we're binding the powers of darkness and we're loosing the plan and the purpose of God. You're doing that when you witness to your neighbor. You're binding and loosing when you're out there just talking to somebody over coffee about Jesus. And you don't even know sometimes how you're stirring their soul. But what you're doing is you're setting the captive free. And you're loosing God's word into their life. And his word is life and his word is transforming. There's all kinds of great ways to bind and loose. Not the least of which is in prayer. I can be on my face before God in my home or here or in my office or somewhere in this church here praying for things way over there because we live in a heavenly dimension. Yes, we are earthbound, we're earthlings, but we operate in heavenly places. That's where we operate. And what we're doing is we're making what's in the heavenly realm tangible in the earthly realm why because we're the new sheriff in town amen we have the authority and we need to pray with that kind of authority how else could this man this man that's just like you and me good days bad days highs lows depression victories you know how could this how could he pray and stop up the rains and then make it pour again. Change weather patterns. That's powerful prayer. How did he do that? He said, because I know I've been given the authority. And he said, it's not going to happen except at my word. Except at my prayer. Except at what I do. And we need to get that on the inside of us. Come on. Can I get a good amen? And so we need to pray with authority. We need to pray with passion. We need to pray God's promises. And then the fourth word is avails. Avails much, which means we need to pray with some expectation. The word avails means to be able, to be strong, to be capable, or to have power. This kind of prayer that we're talking about gives us an advantage. Availing prayer refuses to give up. It just refuses to give up because it expects God is going to answer. That's the kind of prayer life the Lord wants us to have. I, I am not going to quit. I am not going to quit on this issue with my kids. I'm not going to quit on this issue with our nation. I'm not going to, I am going to keep going. I expect God is going to show up, period. That's what we got to get in us. That's the kind of praying God wants us to pray. He wants us to pray, pray. Amen. Elijah prayed. So here's what he did. He went up on top of Mount Carmel. He got down on the ground, put his head between his knees, literally in a fetal position, and he labored. He labored in prayer. After praying a little while, he said to his servant, go look toward the sea and tell me what you see. The man came back and said, there's nothing. How many of you feel like that's my prayer life? Come on, can I, anybody like me? There's nothing going on. So you know what he did? He didn't say, well, must not be God's will. No, he knew what God's will was. What did he do? Well, God's going to do what God's going to do when God's going to do it. No, he went back to his position of prayer and he prayed some more. And after he prayed some more, he said, go toward and look toward the sea. And the man came back and said, nothing. Did that seven times. Seven times. So he just kept praying, and he kept going. Why? He expected to see an answer. That's why he did it. He 
was anticipating that God was going to be true to his word. I don't know why I have to, I don't know why. I wish it would come easier. I wish it would come quicker. I love it when it happens really quick. But a lot of the times, perhaps most of the times, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen that way, I should say. So what do we do? We keep praying because, you know, there is an enemy that's withstanding the will of God in heavenly realms. You need to remind yourself of that. When Daniel was praying, the angel finally showed up 21 days later and said, I I was dispatched on the first day, but I've been in major warfare because the enemy wants to stop what what you're taking authority in. Church, we got to pray. We got to stick with it. Come on, turn to your friend and tell him, just stick with it. Go ahead and tell him that. <clears throat> so, Elijah, seven times he said, go and look. And the man came back and he said, there's nothing going on. Literally, those are his words. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. It's almost like your prayers are never going to be answered. God's not listening. You must be doing something wrong. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. Put your, word, put your own words to it, but there's nothing out there. That's what it sounds like. I'm a failure. I don't know how to pray. God must care for other people more than he cares for me. But then he sent him out again. And the man came back and said, well, I see a, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Elijah said, good enough. We're off and running. And he literally ran. And he outran a chariot with horses because he expected. And when he saw the little thing, when he saw the small thing, he knew that God was on the move. I want to tell you something. You've been praying about things, and you see little things, and you're still discouraged over it. Knock it off. Run with it. God is on the move. I see a little thing. It's way out there, just a little tiny thing. That's God moving. Woo, come on. Sometimes we just got to stick with it, pray it through. I love when he said, go out and look toward the sea. He told his servant, go out and look toward. Look for God to move. Don't look down in defeat. Don't look back in regret. Don't have, don't uh, look away in worry. Look for what God is doing. Have that in your soul and in your spirit. Amen. Church, God wants us to pray with power. And I'm telling you, these are a bunch of Elijah's, and uh, the feminine form is Elisha's. I think, I don't know. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it is. We have Elijah's and Elisha's in this room. And you can change things through your prayer life. Is Zixi in the house? Oh, dear Lord, help me. Is she here? She's supposed to be here. She's supposed to be here. I'm speaking her in here right now in Jesus' name. Move on, Zixi, to come through those doors. Could I have a, are you going to play for, would you come on up? Here's what I want to do today, and I'm, I'm going to give it a little time. If she doesn't show, then I'm, I'm going to go the other, I'm going to go another direction. I wanted to, Zixi to share a really, really powerful testimony about prayer. And, um. And you'll have to come back next week if you want to hear it. No. Uh, I want to take us back just for a moment to what James said. Is any among you suffering? Is anybody in the room suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone overcome with some sort of sin? Or let fill in the blank, like some personal struggle? Things, pit, a trap, 
a snare you keep falling into. There she is, Zixi. Is that her? (laughs) Is that Zixi? Would you go and get her, please? He said, is there anyone here who is suffering? If she comes, watch me now. Watch me now. If she comes through the door, we can all praise the Lord. Uh, Is there anybody struggling with sin in their life? Is there anyone who's sick in their body? All of these, he said, pray. Pray. And today, that's what I want to do. There she is. Sixty. Can I have the... Zixi came in and uh, shared with me the other day something. I just wanted to share it simple like you did with me the other day. Something that happened when she was up at St. Pat's uh, Parade, I believe. And uh, I I just want you to hear what she has to say. Just tell it simply like you did with me and with the same kind of Zixiness. And um, I want us to be encouraged here today because what you're going to hear is what every one of us can do. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I was a little late. Um, I, you know, I was up at St. Patty's, and I ran into a friend. Sorry. <laughs> I thought I'm loud enough. But um, I was working, I ran into somebody that I were used to work with at Walmart, and um, we just happened to get on a conversation, and she told me that um, she has this deep sadness in her. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, you know, I'm just really sad a lot. And she goes, when I um, cry, I cry a really long time, and I'm really, really sad. And I'm like, why, why are you so sad all the time? And she goes, well, she goes, I feel that's a gift. She goes, isn't that a gift? And I'm like, no, that's not a gift. And um, she goes, well, we, you know, we all get gifts from God, right? And I go, well, yeah. But sadness is not a gift from God. God never wants us to be sad. I go, gifts from God are love and joy and peace. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you know, God, I go, we're in this world, and there's a lot of things that we get from this world. I go, but, and I go, and that, of course, is sadness. We get sadness from this world. I said, but gifts from God are are good things, not sadness. I go, so you know what? We're going to pray about this right now. We're right there in the middle of Broadway and Main Street. (laughs) And I laid my hands on her, and I said, we're going to pray about this. So I laid hands on her, and we rebuked that sadness right now. Because I said, this is of the devil. This is not of God. And I laid hands on her, and we prayed, and we rebuked it. And I said, Satan, get behind her right now. Because I go, there is no room for sadness. And we rebuked it, and we said, get behind her, and we're going to fill you with joy, and we're going to fill you with gladness, and God is going to touch you. And we prayed, and after we were done, she kind of backed up, and she says, wow, you're powerful. And I said, no, God is powerful. Amen. And I said, God is powerful through me because he loves you. And I want you to know that. And I said, if you ever question that, you know where I live. And I go, and you come and talk to me again, because I want you to never feel that sadness again. Amen. Because there's no room for sadness in Praise this world. And I go, I'm sure just like you know, we are in the last days. And it is time to start praying and be strong and be filled with joy and gladness, not sadness. Praise God. So that's what I want all of you to know. It doesn't matter where you are. We need to pray for every one of us. And we need to start bringing people back to God. Amen. So that's what I want you all to know. Amen. Thank you, you Zixi. I appreciate that. So I want to end this service today uh, in a little different way. We usually have people come up here and they stand here and you can come if you want prayer. But would you just all stand with me right now? And I'm, I'm asking prayer warriors and prayer team members to be alert here in the next few moments. But if you're here today and you're sad or depressed or discouraged or struggling in some way or other in your life, um, maybe a physical attack, affliction, and you could use some prayer, 
you could use some powerful prayer. I just want to invite you right now just to come and just stand up here in the front. Just, just make your way. Don't worry about other people. Don't be afraid or don't be ashamed or don't be shy. But if you've got some struggles and you'd like prayer, you can just stand right up here. That's fine. You can come up here with me. What's your name? Darren. Darren. Awesome. We're going to pray for Darren here. Is there anybody else? Come up, come up a little closer, too. Don't be afraid. I won't bite you. Amen. God is here. You know what? The rain's going to fall this morning. God's going to open up the heavens, and he's going to touch some people. Amen. Now, can I have some, some Elijahs and some Elishas <laughs> to come and help me? I'm going to pray, but you may out there, whoever you are, I want you to come up here and pray too. I want you to find somebody. Maybe you, maybe you right now as you're looking up, say, Lord, is there somebody up there you want me to go to? And be led of the Holy Spirit and get right in front of them and just say, Hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm here to pray with you. And just be led of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to pray. And as we pray, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to pray. I want to bless you so that you can be dismissed. And we're going to continue in ministry here, so please be mindful of that. And you're welcome to leave. Or if you can want to help us pray, you can come up here. So I want to bless you. And say to you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed to go while we continue to minister in prayer.